Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Lopez here. You're about to listen to episode number 250 of the On The Gun Line podcast. I'd like to welcome you all here if it's your first time. Dude, I'm not going to lie. This has to be definitely top three interviews I've ever done. Um, Stephen Vanay is a soldier that I served with in Korea back in 2007, 2008. And he just wrote a book. It's called Lucid, The First Step. And um, I need y'all to please go out and look for it, okay? I'm not bullshit when I say that this fucking book has so much relatable material, especially if you're a veteran and you, um, you've you been out overseas and you come back with some, uh, some dreams and have struggles in fucking uh adapting back to the civilian sector you will be able to relate to this at least within the first 100 pages because that's where i've been at but um dude go check it out lucid the first step and uh we talk about his military experience as well as the book and how both of those come into one in lucid the first step so i hope y'all enjoy this episode y'all go ahead and um Thumbs up, like, subscribe, whatever it is y'all do with these things. I'll catch y'all on the gun line. Enjoy. Gun line, gun line, gun line. Fire mission coming down, y'all. I'm your host, Lopez, and you're listening to the On the Gun Line podcast, episode 250, y'all. Episode 250. And to mark this fucking event, I got this Joe that... Again, he didn't work for me per se. He was not in my section. So whoever his section chief was, I'm not trying to take your thunder guy, but he was a soldier in my battery. So to me, he was my Joe, my soldier. I was a buck starting back in them days in Korea, but um, he's here today to catch up with us, to shoot the shit with us and just chill on the gun like we did, like on the gun line, like we did back in the day. And also to speak about that fucking book right there, y'all, if you're viewing it, it's called Lucid. Welcome to the motherfucking gun line, Stephen Vanay. What is up, my brother? What's going on? How you doing, man? Bro, um, I'm ready to see what the next couple of pages after I turn the page on that book, <laughs> where it's going to take me to, bro. Because I have some thoughts already where it's going, but it's fucking amazing. And I definitely want to talk about that um, and how much of you is in that book. But um, we'll definitely get fair, there. <laughs> so with that being said, with that being said, man, um, let's let the gun line and the folks who don't know about you. Who are you? Where are you from? What is your story? Oh, um, I'm Stephen Benet, man. I was uh, I was born in Jersey. I moved around the country a whole bunch with my family and ended up enlisting. You know, it was my father's father, you know, kind of tradition in my family. No shit. And oh, yeah. So I'm I believe I'm fourth generation army and ever since my dad's dad got into america it's been enlistment 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 there's been a benet in every single war so <laughs> i'm lieutenant dan up in this motherfucker <laughs> oh yeah it was it was definitely one of those big family traditions mm. so when i enlisted man i tried to uh go go a different route than artillery right i, right. I tried to do eod and things were going good, no issues, no complaints. And uh, man, I met a girl. Mm. Met a girl. 
I did not know it at the time. She was an instructor's daughter. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. And he gave me an out, you know, he was cool about it. He, uh, he said, you know what? I I'm fine with you dating my daughter, but I don't want my daughter to be with somebody that's EOD. I know the stresses okay. and the fears that come along with this job but I'm fine when you date my daughter. I'm like, well, me and her are both adults, man. You know, we want to mm -hmm. be together. We're, we're going to be together. He's like, that's fine. That's fine. But I don't want my daughter being with somebody that's EOD. I didn't catch what he was dropping. Okay. Three days later, I was on a plane to Fort Sill, Oklahoma to become artillery. Oh, shit. Dude had pull. And, you know, a couple of months in artillery school, me and her are still together. I come back after graduation. He's like, I guess you still don't get it. Mm. So my orders got changed. I was supposed to get stationed at Stewart. And I ended up getting stationed in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Damn. Well, so he man, definitely he did not want you with her. No, he really didn't. He fucking hated me. Uh, but uh, EOD school was so long man and i was in the reserves prior to me getting into active okay and because i wanted to do basic training in between my junior and senior years so i enlisted in the reserves first gotcha went off to basic training came back still in the reserves did my senior year of high school during my high school year transferred you know so to speak to active duty right and i got eod in my contract it's like oh shit all right cool good to go right right but my time in service carried over from reserves. So by the time I made it to Korea, I'm 19 years old, but I had been in the army for over two years already, man. Okay. So I land in Korea. What was the first thing they fucking make me do? Well, it's 2008, you know, a little bit after the peak of the war. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, no, you're, you're a specialist. You've got almost a year time in grade. You're going to the E5 board. Damn, gotcha. It's my first duty station. <laughs> I'm going to the E5 board. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> but I made sergeant. And even the first sergeant was like, yeah, I, you ain't a sergeant yet. No yeah. shit. Wait, so you were there. What You were in Alpha Battery with me, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Who was your chief? I was actually put in ammo section. I don't know who I Wait, was that Jumbo? No, it was Jumbo Abisai. when I first got there. Uh, it Abisai came after, but it was Parnell, I believe. Oh, damn, I can't remember. Or no, 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 Doucette, Doucette. Doucette, him I do remember, because he had just gotten there too. That's right, when yeah. I was getting ready to leave already. So wait a minute, well, let's rewind real quick. Yeah. What happened with you and the girl? Oh, so I came back on leave after being in Korea six months. Yeah. And, you know, she's graduating basic training because she wanted to enlist. She ended up fucking going EOD herself. Damn, ain't that a bitch. <laughs> well, I got extended in Korea, so I got to take a second leave. Okay. So I go back on my second leave. Well, this is six months after the fact. She's not feeling it. Ah, oh, damn. And I'm just like, oh, all right. And, and so I 
buy a thousand dollar plane ticket. Me and her are supposed to be getting married, you know, <laughs> doing that young Joe kind of shit. You know, I fly back to the States. I drive four hours from where I landed, that kind of thing. I pull up ass early in the morning and she's like, yeah, this ain't working out. I'm like, you could have fucking told me that two days ago and saved me a thousand bucks on a fucking plane ticket. <laughs> or, or, you know, you could have still stayed in your MOS that you wanted to do initially, you know, as the OD yeah. and your pop, you know, her pops wouldn't have made all those fucking changes. Jesus fucking oh Christ, dude. Well, dude, um, on the plus side, at least you ended up in a better MOS, I think, because EOD, mm, hey, fucked him. It was <laughs> artillery. It ended up, it, it it bettered me in a lot of ways. You know, it really humbled me. I was a cocky fucking kid, man. I really was. How old are you now? I'm 34. 34? Holy shit. God damn. What a way to make me feel older. Fuck, I'm 45, bro. God damn. <laughs> Shit, you were older when I fucking got there. Yeah, man. dude, you got to be like 20 when you got there. I was 19. 19 or 20, yeah, dude, because I turned 30 in Korea in November of 07, and um, I left in September of 08. So when did you get to Korea? I got to Korea, it was July of 08. Okay. So you were the yeah, I had just gotten my section a few months prior to that shit. A la madre. But yeah, dude. So <laughs> your experiences in Korea, you ended up did you AIP? You stayed there for a minute, right? Well, I got involuntarily extended because I was waiting on a school date. This is one as soon as I arrived, feet on the ground, I tell the first sergeant, hey, I want to try and get back to the EOD as fast as I possibly can. Okay. And that was first sergeant Samuel. First sergeant Samuel. Big Dick Samuel. We keep our gun tubes in the air to show everybody else that we got big dicks. We got yes. the big dicks. <laughs> yeah. Can't, uh, hey. That guy uh, was a walking sexual harassment complaint. <laughs> dude, would he make it in today's army is my question. Like, he would probably no. be... Yeah, he wouldn't make it. I'll put these motherfucking hands on you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he, is, he is a dying breed, but I, I tell you what. That's what you needed at that time. Yeah, we did. That was a warfighter army. We were at war, and that's what we needed. Now, nowadays, they don't need warfighters. They want people to look pretty in a uniform. They want corporate fucking America in the military. That's bro. it. It's amazing. That's it. How long have you been out now? I've been out. I got out February 2016. Oh, shit. So how long was your term for? Like, how long? Okay, so let's rewind a bit. Yeah. Uh, you did basic, you did Korea, you did, got to Korea, got state, you got fucked out there, stayed out there. Um, mm -hmm. you finally, uh, D rose back to the States. Where'd you end up going to recruiting? Oh, fuck. They were trip. Damn, man. That green weenie was all up in you. Oh my God. So because I made E5 right as I turned 20 years old, mm -hmm. you know, I was 20 years old for three weeks before I got pinned. God damn. And so, okay, Army wanted a new young recruiter program to relate better to the people that are going to be enlisting. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was the youngest E5 anybody had seen in a long time. So Shit. there I went. Where'd you go? Recruiting? So I had in the middle of nowhere in Georgia. So you were in Georgia? Mm -hmm. Where at? Uh, Dublin, about an hour south of Macon. So right in between uh, Columbus and Savannah, 
There's I-16. Okay. Well, one of those exits that you only use to take a, you know, take a piss at a gas station. Yeah. That's where I was recruiting at. <laughs> Dude, I was stuck in Hinesville. All right. So I know Georgia. I know Georgia okay, pretty well. Yeah, yeah I was yeah, stuck yeah. in Hinesville right after Korea. I got stuck in Hinesville in Third ID, baby, Rock of the Marne. So Fort Stewart, oh. it was. Holy Man, I, I got I got in some trouble at Fort Stewart. I ain't gonna lie. Oh wait, did you go to Fort Stewart as well? I just did some training there while I was recruiting. Okay, okay. They were just like, yeah, we got to have CLS certified or you know people. Yeah. I'm just like, we're fucking recruiters. Why do we need to be CLS certified? The is going to run out in a year. It's not like I'm going to go to combat as a fucking recruiter. Like, did you did you stay recruiting or? No, no. I uh, I did recruiting for three and a half years. And, man, I could not wait to get out of recruiting. I've heard about that. I've heard that either recruiting, you either love it or you fucking hate it. There's no in between. You know, yeah. there's motherfuckers that will reclass to it because they'll pick up seven quick as fuck and they'll just stay because they love that shit or they're on their way out and they like the admin portion. Or there's those that just are physical motherfuckers that need to be out on the gun line doing physical mm -hmm. shit and they just hate the politics that come with it. Because I heard if you roll a donut, you, you're, there goes one of your weekends. Oh, it, it, it's not even there goes a weekend. You won't see your fucking house for the next month. Kind so of thing. It is. that was it bullshit then about when they were starting to make it like it was going to be a nine to five for recruiters because the suicide rate was so high for them. Honestly, they tried and that was happening as I was getting out of recruiting. Okay. But they're just like, all right, cool. It's nine to five. Did we say which five? you know pulling that army shit <laughs> right <laughs> oh shit like, oh, all right well I, I guess you know 5 a.m does work it's like yeah you, you'll do pt here in the fucking recruiting station we don't give they, a shit they try to get you 9 to 5 a.m not 9 to 1700 we didn't say 9 to 1700 we said 09 to 05 motherfucker oh, damn oh, dude. God. but recruiting recruiting was uh that that was a whole nother breed of the military can I ask you about that real quick? Um, because being that you were um, you were bringing in what the future soldiers were looking like, was there any criteria that you personally looked for at first, and then said "fuck it, I got to meet mission" and just started like? Because one of my one of my best friends, he was actually my second co-host on here. He was a recruiter um, out in um, Johnson, not Johnson City, Johnson City in Tennessee. He was a okay. Uh, a recruiter out there, um, my boy Cruz, and um, and anyway, sorry, I got I got lost out on it. That's my boy. And anyway, um, so like you know, he got to the point where he's like, "Fuck it, if they fit, if they you know if they fit the criteria, we're bringing them in." You know, at first he wanted like you know specific motherfuckers like to be thirteen bravos and what like, and then I was like, "Now nah, we just got to get them in." Uh, when I was there, it was. You just scrambled to get as many people as you could. Gotcha. And, you know, I tried to do the right thing by everybody. Wouldn't lie to him. You know, just tell him straight up, look, you can't enlist in the military during time of war and not expect to go overseas. Right. You're going to go overseas. And I remember there was only ever, there was two people. One, I was told to lie to him. Not by my station commander, mm -hmm. but by his own father. No shit. He's like, look, man, my son is not the brightest crayon. 
in the box. But whatever job he qualifies for, if he qualifies for one, mm-hmm. make it sound like it's the best damn job in the farm. Tell him that he's going to fucking love it. Yeah. Tell him that it's going to be a party 24-7. He's going to have a great time. This, that, and the other. Like, okay, not a problem. I understand. You know, this guy's squeaked by I'm passing his ass up. And what job does he get? Fucking artillery. 13 Bravo. 13 Bravo. <laughs> he was fucking field artillery. Hey, brother, all you got to do is pull on the do you want to shoot shit and blow shit up for a living? Get paid to do it. They had me at the video. I don't know if y'all still played that video at that time, but they got me with that oh fucking video. I was like, done, done. <laughs> Little did I know there was nothing like that. But uh, I mean, it was fun at some time. But that's what's up, bro. I mean, did do you ever keep in contact with any of the uh, your old candidates that y'all brought in? Honestly, all the time. Um, when I uh, dropped this book, there was uh, one of my old recruits that, honestly, he passed everything. Most physical kid you'll ever meet. You know, he was one of those guys who walked into the recruiting station. I'm like, well, you know, can you pass our, you know, fitness test? We can get you promoted, you know, prior to you even listening. He lifts up his shirt. He's got a fucking eight pack. Not a six pack. Oh, he's got shit. an eight pack. And he's like, I think I got this. I'm like, all right, man. So he goes up to Meps, you know, past the ASVAB with a fucking 94. Kid is jacked. Goes to Meps and dude, I don't know what the fuck he told them, but he came back, hat in his hand. He's like, Sergeant Vinay, I, they, w- they wouldn't let me in. I look it up. This fucker had like six damn surgeries that he decided not to tell me about, but he told oh. them about. I'm just like, you dumb it. <laughs> Why did you just keep your uh-huh, fucking bro. mouth shut? Right. <laughs> man, I went to Mets and then had surgery three days later on my shoulder. Come on, man. There's ways around shit. Yes, there is. And, you know, the recruiter, I mean, okay, so now that it's been, shit, what, 20 years since I joined the military almost, my recruiter, because I started working with my recruiter in 2003. It took me yeah. one year, bro, to get into the military because I had certain tattoos that would have permanently disqualified me. So right. he's like, okay, if you're, if I'm going to make this commitment, I need a commitment from you. Start covering them up. So it took me a year, bro, because tattoos ain't cheap. So I was just getting shit done to cover up a lot of things. And, right. and you know, this is 03, 04, when, like, they needed the bodies in that uniform. So, yeah. um, but um, what ended up happening was, I had a felony and um, I had to write a fucking whole story about what happened and whatnot. And I sat down with a major and um, from there, I didn't even have to get a waiver. It was just a packet review with the major. And they were like, are you still this person? I was like, no, sir, that happened 1997. It's 2004. Now I'm, I just want to change my life. And they're like, mm-hmm. all right. And next thing I know, they gave me the signature I needed. And now um, off I was to Fort Sill. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, there's ways around things. And then they're talking about like herbal stuff and, you know, maybe some, you know, mm-hmm. white powdery stuff. They were like, just say fucking no. Just say no. It's not like they're going to fucking pluck DNA out of your fucking head, you know, and, and try to see when was the last time you did it. But there were people that got caught with that whole moment of truth bullshit, you know? Yeah. That sucks, man. I mean, a motherfucker that had six packs on his six pack, that could have been an SF motherfucker right there. Bright, smart. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what he wanted. No, he, shit. He, 
scored off the charts on everything. Still love the guy to death. He, he's a good kid. Yeah, he really is. And shit, you know, he wanted it. Ah, but now he's an actual. You know, he's going to flight school. He's going to be a pilot. You know, shit, nice. Yeah, not like military flight school. He's going to be, you know, flying around stewardesses and everything. You know, living up that life. You know, I'll tell you what, though, Vinay. One thing I realized that certain things happen in our lives, you know, in order to fucking prepare us for our future. You know what I mean? Like, um, I never, I always wanted to join the military. I wanted to join the Marine Corps back in the nineties when I was a kid. You know what I mean? In, in the eighties, nineties, I wanted to be the Marines. Unfortunately, the Marines told me go fuck yourself because I only had a GED, so yeah. I missed out on all that through the nineties. Then the war kicked off in two thousand and fucking three, and all of a sudden the army was like, "Oh, you got a GED." Come on and see. And yeah, they were like, you know, just get a 50 and above. Oh, you got a felony? Well, let's see what we can do with that. Okay, you know what? We can work with you. Come on in. Marine Corps told me to go to college if I have a GED. Go fuck yourself. All I wanted to do was drive tanks, bro, and go in to kill people. That's all I wanted to do. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, and it set me, I guess, you know, I, maybe I needed those trials and, trip and experiences as a civilian first because I ended up joining the Army at 26, you know, 27 years old. You know, and yeah. um, so that being said, you know, I got to live out kind of like a first portion of my life as a civilian, then the second portion in the military. And it prepped me to be the better man, which I think I am today compared to that knucklehead, because I don't think I had the mentality yet to right. be prepared for the military lifestyle. Well, and that's also the thing, you know, you had an opportunity to live a life as a civilian before you went in. And. You know, you saw what civilian life had to offer you at that time. Right. And you know what? You went in the military and you saw what the military had to offer you at that time. All right. That's the route that works better for you. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I wish that I had that clarity when I was younger of, right. all right, what does civilian life have to offer me? What does military life have to offer me? Honestly, I still would have enlisted in the military. There was going to be no fucking stopping that. <laughs> right. But, you know, for all those guys that were in, got out, and then did everything they could to get back in and try and re-enlist, it's like, dude, man, there's nothing I can do for you as a recruiter, you know? And I'm like, That brings me a little bit towards this here. All right. So for those that don't know, I've already mentioned it. This is Lucid, the first step by Stephen Venet over here. Um, he wrote this book. I'm a hundred pages in, y'all, and I'm telling you, I love this fucking book. I can relate to this character of Kevin, um, just so much. And I'm wondering, like, you know, I don't know if it'll say it in the future in the book itself, but does he try to even re-enlist? You know, or was he medic? Was he medically discharged? I think. He was medically remember. discharged. Okay. So, look, we're going to talk about this here a little bit more. Give me one quick second because somebody is blowing my... Oh, never mind. There's nobody. But anywho, so anyways, we're going to talk about this book now a bit because I want to know how much of this, Vinay, how much that you get out of your own personal story to put into, into uh, old Kevin over here. I am not going to lie. A good bit. You know, okay. it was honestly, it was easier to write that way because I had been through those experiences. I had, you know, felt those pains and dealt with those struggles. So, you know, I could 
definitely pour a lot more into the character itself because I was writing about aspects of my life. You know, the countless nights of lost sleep, the recurring nightmares, that kind of thing. You know, been through there, done that. I know what it feels like. And, you know, it was it was difficult after I got out because yeah. what happened to him didn't happen in the exact same way to me. But, man, I had, had a head injury. Didn't think anything of it. Right. Well, I get back. I got great scores. I wanted to try and branch out and do something else outside of artillery. Mm-hmm. Not against artillery. Right, right. But, you know, I had a, a stigma against me because I came off of recruiting. and I went to Fort Polk. And, you know, I'm in a 119, you know, light artillery unit. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to cut you off here. We completely forgot that portion, didn't we? After recruiting, what was the next step? My bad. <laughs> I completely oh, jumped okay, all over. All good. I wanted to deploy because I hated the fact that I was recruiting people into the military. <laughs> exactly. I was light on the right, man. Yeah. I, I didn't have that patch. But I was recruiting people. Like, literally, my first recruit, he enlisted, goes to basic as an infantryman, you know, does his OSET training, one yeah. shot, and he gets to his first unit. Well, they deploy three months later. Within under a year, mm-hmm. he's stateside again. And he's missing both his fucking legs. Oh, shit. He lost both his fucking legs. And here I am sitting in a comfy fucking office telling him what the military is going to do for him, his wife, his daughter, Anthony. Anthony Lowry. And it's like, I fucking put that guy in. His wife's star. I still remember that shit because what did I do to him? You know, that shit, it ate me up inside. So I'm like, no, I'm finding the unit that is deploying as soon as I fucking get there. I'm getting my ass deployed. That's it. I'm over it. So I had two options. Mm -hmm. Okay. One was in Tennessee. The other one, Fort Polk in Louisiana. Hmm. I'm just like, all right, well, what's this unit in Tennessee? I don't know nothing about that unit. I don't know any of unit history of it. What's the other one? 10th Mountain Division. I know a lot about 10th Mountain Division. I've read my fucking history books. Right, right. All right, cool. I'm going 10th Mountain. And landed a pole. Cool. Go talk to the first sergeant. You know, Sergeant Benet reporting his order. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Sit down. Tells me, so just so you know, we got a deployment coming up here in three months, but this unit has been training harder than any other unit in the army. We pride ourselves that we have spent 218 days in the field in the past 365. <laughs> like, that's a fucking deployment in itself. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude. So you were you went to 10th Mountain. Um, what year was this in? I got to 10th Mountain. March of 2013. Okay. Damn. And so 3rd Brigade, 10th Mountain, or at the time it was 4th Brigade when I got there. They decommissioned one of the brigades and they changed us to 4th. They just expanded the other two. 
I just want to say I'm sorry that you were stuck in Fort Polk. That's the asshole of the army. You're telling me. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I went there for JRTC in 2011. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, that place blew fucking balls, bro. Like, God damn. Oh. And it, it, it just sucked balls. I, I cannot stand that place. And you had to be there for how many years? I was there until 2016. Mm, I long. ended up getting I got medically retired. Nice. Okay. I feel um, you on that one. So talk to me about deployed. your deployment. I got deployed. We went to RC East and they spread us out across three different fobs. I, I was at a little one um, on RC East Afghanistan, uh, Metterlong. I know where that's nothing at. Really popped, yeah. Nothing really popped off there. You know, it was pretty chill. Um, Did you guys replace first calf? I don't remember who the hell we replaced, but I know the 101st ripped out with us. Okay. They came in when we were going out and shit. I don't know if it was National Guard 101st or what, but I mean, those, there was a couple of those idiots that almost shot one of our own on our own side of the fob, man. Oh, oh <laughs> shit, dude. Because yeah. we, we ripped out of there with a, with first cab and uh, we were in RC East. We were uh, out of uh, Metterlom, Gamberry, Joyce, Jaff. Uh, Monty, um, we did Metterlom and Gamberry. Fucking Gamberry, blue balls. I was there. That's why I know that was my deployment, bro. I had to train that. I built, I assisted building that first field artillery fucking training center for the Afghans. This guy, I have one of the fucking first sections to come out of there. What was it? The D8, what they were using? D30. B30, B30. Yeah, they gave us one week to learn that piece of shit and then one week to certify on it. Bro, try FCATing something that you have no idea about and then trying to teach these motherfuckers how to read a collimator that comes with it and they have no idea, bro. It's fucking... They're over there trying to look at the stars with that shit thinking it's bro, a telescope. Bro, you say that, but that's what they did with the direct fire scope. They would take off the direct fire scope and put it through the tube, bro. <laughs> so they thought that's how it worked. All right. So and then these motherfuckers in my hire got the goddamn idea of, hey, let's teach them how to do reciprocal lay. Are you fucking serious? They barely know how to count. And you want to teach them reciprocal lay. But there we were. <laughs> teaching them on the d30 i'm sorry man i didn't mean to cut you off it just you're good ooh, you're metalom, good metalom, because um anyways yeah i know exactly where you were at though brother go ahead and um so how was it out there it, it was pretty chill you know we, we took our fair share of small arms fire you know a couple of mortar rounds here and there not a big deal right right um you know of course we get shot at on you know thanksgiving christmas that kind of shit not a big deal we were actually doing great, mm -hmm. you know, uh, me and my section ended up getting tasked out with going on a off base mission Okay. to go reoccupy Magalom. Okay. In the Pesh Valley. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Work out. Well, it was supposed to be a four day mission that turned into a 10. Ah, that's where that one comes from okay yes i was gonna talk to you about offline on that one but um but go ahead continue you got it and uh so constant mortar fire constant small arms fire 
definitely walked away with combat action badge after that shit and uh, walked away with uh, solid concussions and didn't think anything of it. Get back to the base. Okay. You know, officers that weren't even there getting awards for it kind of shit. Of course. Of course. And, uh, you know, things went. And rest of the deployment went off pretty smooth. But uh, get back stateside and trying to reclass. Okay. And they're just like, cool. Yeah, you got all the scores. You know, I got like 96 on a fucking ASVAD. So it's like, <laughs> all right, whatever job you want. All right, cool. Uh, what jobs are good for NCOs right now? They're like, mm-hmm. oh, acquisitions. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't sound fucking interesting at all. Mm-mm. And it's like, all right, well, what do you want? I'm like, hot. I can't run for shit, so I ain't going SF. <laughs> right. like, I got a group that does not care about that. They care about how big your fucking brain is, and from the looks of it, you got a big one. Okay. How about counter intel? Ooh. I'm like counter intel. Talk to me about it. And mm-hmm. sure as shit. All right, cool. Yeah, it's gonna be that fucking CIA shit. Cool. Let's do it. Passed the fucking psyche valve, passed everything else, you know, all the scores. Great. Cool. Just got one more thing. Looks like you had a TBI on your medical history. Uh, we got to check that out right quick. Well, they do. They found a brain tumor. Oh, shit. Okay. Fuck. That was it. So you can't be in the military with a brain tumor. Learn that real quick. And uh, Well, shit. I mean... It was obviously is malignant. Was it benign? It was, it was benign, and so okay, you know, start med board process. So I just went from reenlisting to now I'm being med boarded out. Fuck. So God. I was planning on doing careers, you know, changing up my whole lifestyle. How many years did you do before you got med boarded? Ten. Welcome. Hey, we're the 10 club, baby. I was at 10 as well. Bro. And so got So the tumor they found the tumor when they were doing the TBI. Yeah, they were, you know, hey, you had a TBI. We just gotta check you out. You know, we're gonna do CAT scan. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do an MRI. Mm-hmm. They do a CAT scan. Three days later, they do an MRI. A couple of days later, I'm at uh, small arms range. You know, qualifying that kind of shit. I get a call from my medic, and he's like, "Hey, good news! It hasn't grown." I'm like, "What hasn't grown?" He's like, "The tumor." I'm like, what fucking tumor? Pack. <laughs> <laughs> fucking what tumor, yeah, man? For real, dude. And he's like, uh, "You got. You might want to come over to the aid station." So, you know, I call up my uh, first sergeant, my captain, to let him know what's going on. Captain shows up in his POV, picks me up from the range. You know, no POVs are allowed at this range. This guy pulls right. up in his red sports car, and he's like, get the fuck in my car. Let's go. I'm like, I'm fucking dirty. He's like, I didn't fucking ask you. I'm like, all right, cool. We're going to have to pause oh, right see. there because my shit's about to turn off. So okay. uh, I got to resend you that new link right now. When we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up where your commander picked you up, and we'll go from there. Holy shit, we are listening to the story of Vinay. We'll catch out here on the gun line. You won't even see the difference. I'll get you in a second. All right, brother? 
All right, everybody. We're back with the saga of fucking Stephen Vinay here. Holy shit. This could be a book within its fucking self, you know, but all right. So the last thing we did, we start, we were talking about the commander coming to pick you up from the range. Yeah. So he shows up, Terry Red Sports car, get my ass in the car. We haul ass. They tell him what's going on. And they, you know, just, hey, sorry, this is, this is the deal, you know. You're, you're cut, man. You're, you're done. Your army career is over. Start figuring out the rest of your life. Right. So it takes about uh, probably about six months to do the full med board. But army started looking into every fucking thing that happened with me. All the surgeries, you know, pulling shit out of my body that was supposed to be in there, pulling shit out of my body that wasn't supposed to be in there that kind of thing and okay cool well got retired and, that had you know, to be so, tough because you were what, oh, yeah. what how old were you uh i was 26 when i was retired 26 years old all you've known for work-wise has been military oh and now before the military i was working at a freaking army navy surplus store you know that's been my life and then you're fucking thrown almost out to the wolves like hey thank you for your services your flag bye you know i mean dude i at that age like i said you're coming you're coming out of the army at the age that i came into the army you know what right. i mean and now you got to figure out your life you know so that had to have fucking struggles within itself. It did. Um, so no college degree. So I thought I was, you know, worthless to any major companies, that kind of thing. Right. You know, I had done artillery. Well, I can't do artillery anymore, even if I fucking wanted to, you know, with the damn thing in my head. Is, I mean, shit, that was, that was a fucking shit show in itself. Anytime the cannons would fire around me, my nose would start to bleed. Fuck, dude. Yeah, it got bad. Um, but, you know, so I'm out. I'm trying to figure out now what the hell I'm going to do with my life. First place I end up, aircraft repair station. Because I had worked with EOD, you know, with a whole bunch of electronics, that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, I know my way around a circuit board. Right. Get myself a job there. They asked me to do some shady shit. Sign off on parts being repaired that weren't being repaired. Ooh, no. Not going to happen. Sorry. The boss tells me, you do it or it's your job. I said, well, guess what? It's my, my toolbox is on wheels. I'll see you later. <laughs> Push that shit outside and I'm gone. See you yeah, later. Dude. I mean, it's your signature on there. Something goes wrong. You're accountable for it. Right. So, but still didn't want to put anybody else at risk. So on the way home that day, I called the FAA. That shit was handled. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, try out Amazon. Okay. Picking products off of shelves. And I go to work for a company selling data center floor space. Hmm. Fucking cloud space. So like oh, other shit. corporations and shit. And so like server farms, that kind of thing. I worked there for a year, man, but it was one of those, you know, 
white collar. All right. Got to get my tie looking right. Right. You know, wear my dress pants and shoes. I did not fit in there. Okay. I fucking hated God damn. Did you have a family at this time that you had to support as well or just yourself? I have right now I have an ex-wife, two kids with my ex-wife, current wife, and two kids with my current wife. Yep. Sounds like a typical and... army story, bro. Yep. <laughs> Except that now, God damn, bro. That's rough. Oh man. But let me jump back right quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I left recruiting, my first wife and me were already in a rocky relationship. Gotcha. Well, we go on pre-deployment leave, you know, kind of thing. Go see your family, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. She's acting super shady. I go see my folks. She decides to stay with hers. I come back. She's like, look, this ain't working out. Like, all right, who's the other guy? She flat out tells me his name. Mm. Well, that Joe was on his way to Korea. Of course. I happen to know who the first sergeant was at the time there. So made a, <laughs> a couple of phone calls, had that handled. Okay, cool. <laughs> Damn. But anyway, you know, I get back to my duty station. I get back to Polk. You know, I tell my platoon sergeant what happened. You know, me yeah. and the wife are splitting up. And he's like, look, man, you're going to a dry country. That's probably for the best. You mm -hmm. can't bring yourself stupid. You're going to a fob. But there ain't a single female in sight. So you can't go chase women. But there's going to be people to shoot at. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like a fucking fun time. Done deal. Yep. Oh. So when I got back with, from deployment, he calls me up one night. And he's like, hey, Vinay, um, you got to come over to this bar. Me and my wife are here with one of our old high school friends. She's single. Hmm. You gotta come meet her. I tell him you're fucking with me, man. You're yeah. fucking with me. You know, I'm gonna get there. It's gonna be the rest of the boys from the platoon. Right. And y'all he's like, ah, Vinay thought he was gonna get late. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear his wife in the background, Vinay, get, get your ass over here. This is you owe me for throwing up in my sink. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right, yeah, I did that. I'm on the way. I go, and I meet wife 2.0. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. And me and her have had our own ups and downs. She stuck with me after I got out of the military and had to deal with all that shit. So job hopping, you know, every few months. Yeah. I finally land a decent job, you know, paying me about 50 grand a year. You know, not bad. Right. White collar, tie dress pants, dress shoes every day to work. Mm -hmm. I hated it. Mm -hmm. Man, I left that shit on my one-year anniversary with the company. I left that shit and said, I'm done. Yeah, I, I can't do this shit anymore. I went to work for fucking Cabela's selling guns at the gun counter. But it's something that you enjoyed doing at least? I enjoyed it. It was easy. Yeah. But... I'm trying to go back to school, get my degree, gotcha. that kind of thing. Well, I'm going for criminal justice, figure, all right, I'll be a cop. Maybe I can get on, you know, with their bomb squad kind of thing because I love explosives. I want to blow shit up. And 
So, dude, I go through this entire six-month process to get on with Dallas PD. Yeah. Everything was golden. Did the polygraph test. That was difficult, especially with my time in Korea. You know, passed <laughs> the polygraph test. Came on past that and, uh, you know, get through all that shit. And, you know, physical fitness test, that was a fucking joke. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, get Boom. I get a freaking academy start date and they're just like, all right, hold the phone. Uh, we see that you receive a, a disability check from VA. Yes, I do. Is any of that for PTSD or anxiety? Yeah, it's 10% for anxiety. And dude, that was it. That was it. Sorry, uh, you can give up your... Uh, you can give up your disability rating. Or uh, uh, I'm like, one, I'm sitting at 100% working, permanent, complete, with this damn tumor in my head. Right. I drop 10% off, I lose the 100%. Right. All right. I ain't ever getting it back. Or it's difficult as fuck to get it back. So wait, do you still have the tumor in? Yeah. They can't. Oh, not this type. Oh, no, spread out like a spider web. So, uh, yeah, so it's like, all right, so I got to work in 100%. You know, it's good shit. You know? Yeah, it helps me take care of my family. Make it does. Sure that met. And it's like, all right, still got to find myself a job. Well, after PD turned me down, it's like, fuck, I don't know what the hell to do with my life. Me and the wife divorced. So I had two ex-wives, two kids with each, two divorces under my belt. And I'm just like, well, what the fuck? So I moved back out east, go move back by my family, get out there and get involved with woodworking. Okay. And started doing that. Started running my own handyman service. Yep. And uh, so I go around fixing people's houses, this, that, and the other, and that kind of thing. You know, started finding out who I wanted to be. Gotcha. And spent about two years out there. Well, me and my second wife had always stayed in touch, you know, so I can, you know, keep good contact with the kids. It's one right. of the things that we wanted is for me to have a good relationship with kids. So it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to move back to, out to Texas and so I can spend more time with my kids. Right. You know, I, I want that, you know, time back. Well, I got back to Texas. So, you know, Seeing the ex-wife with the hand off the kids, this, that, and the other. All right, well, tell you what, let you know, let's try this whole co-parenting thing. Let's, you know, all of us go out to dinner. Well, she's the person now that I always wanted her to be. Uh, I'm the person now who she always wanted me to be. Gotcha. And we had stayed, you know, friendly throughout this entire separation or actual divorce. And started seeing each other hmm. and a few months later there we are standing at the fucking altar <laughs> me and her got remarried so i've been married three damn times across my lifetime holy shit twice to the same woman well you know um, sometimes it takes that separation and growth you know what i mean to develop to who you are you know what i mean i mean that's awesome that you guys worked out well, and that's the thing. I had to figure out, like, much like that character, 
that I wrote in the book. Yes. Who he wanted to be, you know, with his life. Who I wanted to be with mine before I could really commit to anything else in my life. You know, so, and at this point, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, no, I mean, uh, since we're talking about the character, now is a great time to, yeah. if you don't mind, shifting into the character of good old Kevin Kelly over here. I love the alliteration that helps me with, with shit. So, um, dude, again, if y'all haven't gone, y'all need to go get this book, man. Lucid. Lucid, bro. The first step. And I'm hoping that there's going to be more to this shit. Well, I got to finish the book first to see how it ends. But um, because, dude, I the saga of this character, again, there's just so much shit in the first 100 pages that I can relate to. And I think it's because it comes from the perspective of a real motherfucker that actually experienced it. So how did the book come into play? Well, honestly, I decided to write the book first because my wife, she likes to read. I always liked reading, but I sucked at it. And if a book did not grab my attention. Yeah. You know, if it didn't have something popping off within the first 20 pages, you know, shit blowing up or, you know, guy getting killed, you know, whatever the case was, it wasn't really going to hold my attention. Right. And I struggled to find a book that I liked. Well, literally me and the wife are sitting around, you know, I hate to throw out a, a plug on the show name, but shit, you know, I give it credit. Uh, the show Castle. Okay. Um, where a guy's working with a police officer and he's a writer and writer gets all of his ideas from his books from a police officer. I'm like, you know what, man, I would love to fucking write a book, you know, one about shit that I would, you know, want to read myself. Mm-hmm. And my wife, she called me out on it. She essentially, no balls. You won't do it. Oh, shit. She's like, it. Why don't you just fucking do it? You know, put your money where your mouth is. Do it. I'm like, yeah. you know what? Fuck it. All right. Yeah, I'm going to write a book. She's like, when the fuck are you going to find time to write a book? Mm-hmm. Well, I finally landed myself a decent ass job where, you know, I got a spare time during my work day. Well, my lunch breaks, that kind of thing. Right. So I started writing on my lunch breaks. Two months later, I had the book written. Holy because shit. once I started, I could not fucking stop. I loved writing this book. Absolutely loved it. And it was like one of those type of shower thoughts that hits you like, I wonder what if. But I, instead of getting shaking it off, get my head right kind of thing, I let that shit run rampant. Mm. It's like, all right, let's let's take this level of crazy and see where it goes. Okay. And so I needed the character basis. So it's like, all right, well, what's a character that I know I could put through this punishment, put through this hell. And if he can't walk, he's going to crawl. And if he can't crawl, he is going to bite and claw his way to the fucking finish line because that's who he is. Now, whatever the fuck it takes to get the job done. Well, there's only one type of people I know like that. Mm-hmm. That's a 13 Bravo that will literally, <laughs> if I run out of bullets, I'm going to beat you to death with my face. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude. Oh, and 
you know, that's just their mentality. And I love that mentality. I had it myself. And it's like, all right, cool. So that's going to be my character basis. Well, what's his life experiences? Oh, shit. What, what more hell can I put a guy through than the own hell that I went through? Mm -hmm. So I put him through the same hell. And it's like, okay. You know, I have somebody that, you know, family member read it and they call me up and they're like, look, I can't read this. I'm like, why not? Because it's too much of you. Mm. So I don't need to know these things that happen to you. I'm like, all right, well, it's a complete fucking work of fiction then. Remember that. Just keep that <laughs> in the back of your mind, right? Not everything that happened to him happened to me. Not everything that happened to me happened to him. Right. But Some things you have to embellish to make the story, you know, and there's or other keep things out. I had to admit. Right. You know, and it's like, okay. So put him through hell in the first few chapters. And, you know, I've always been a sci-fi nerd, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, okay, got through that shit. But I wanted to write a sci-fi book. And so I did. So the first, you know, good chunk of the book, it's all understandable, relatable. Yeah. But from there on, it takes a twist and turn to be one of those, like, I don't want to spoil it for people, but it's not really giving the book away. But it's uh, essentially, put it this way, there's unanswered questions in the world today that are like, okay, what the fuck are dreams? People say they're manifestations of your mind. Mm -hmm. But they have no way to prove that. Right. See, so if you give an answer to something that you cannot disprove, mm -hmm. it becomes a new theory. And that's what I did. I gave a new theory to that question. Dude, I can't wait. I can't fucking wait. You're blowing my fucking mind right now because now I'm remembering there's this old movie called Jacob's Ladder. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, I did. Or, okay. Um, this dude pretty much, he's in Vietnam, gets shot, gets fucked up. And is dying, and then um, turns out that the life that he's living is him actually dying um, in Vietnam. Something of that sort, from what I remember. But no, this reminds like you know, think about dreams and shit like that. It's funny because I like to talk about shit like that. So, for example, here's some of my stupid theories about dreams. Okay. It's a different universe that we live in, and that, like right now, us living is our other consciousness sleeping and dreaming, and vice versa. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy the fuck out of this book. You're bro. gonna fucking love it, bro. <laughs> oh my god, dude. I mean, I love I love the combination of putting reality with um like you said, sci-fi, but not really, because it's it's not sci-fi if it's fucking something that's possible, you know what I mean? It really is. Right. And oh my god, dude. I'm like a fucking no giddy way, little girl right now. <laughs> there is no way to disprove it. Right. And that's the thing. So because that, all right, it's a new theory. Yeah. Dude, Science with the lucid, the lucid dreaming, where did you hear about that from? Well, honestly, I had uh, done it a couple of times when I was younger. And okay. I mean, lucid dreaming is not an easy thing. You have to realize that it is a dream mm -hmm. and that you are just seeing. And then you're trying to take control in that dream. 
but when you finally break that like fourth wall kind of thing or so to speak it dude the dream illuminates like everything around you it goes from a fog to clear as day and it is like you're walking around in it another universe bro because to me like amazing things (laughs) can you explain for the listener out there who don't know what lucid dreaming what is that it's where you take full control over all the actions in the dream and it is to the point where okay that feeling when you're like having a nightmare or something like that and you're winding up and you can feel the lactic acid burning in your muscles as you're delivering this punch. Mm -hmm. And then you hit and it feels like you just brushed them with a pillow. It's like, what the fuck was that? Are you kidding me? That's all I got? In that book, when he said that shit, I was like, oh my God, do I know that feeling where I'm like squared the fuck away and I'm going with everything. I'm like fucking, are you? And just next thing you know, it's like, what the fuck was that, dude? And that's it. <laughs> it's like, are, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, when you lucid dream, mm-hmm. that same style of hit becomes the haymaker from the gods themselves. You know, like, holy shit, I just punched that guy through the wall. How do you identify, because though, that you're in a dream, though? Like, that's the difficult that part. That is the really difficult part. And it's, you know that dream state where you're going to sleep, you're back in, you're waking back up. All right, I'm back in my bed. You go back in and you pick up right where you left off. Okay. That's where, all right, you got to start to train your brain to, all right, I'm dreaming. This is a dream. It's like interrupting a movie and getting the fucking characters to respond to you. Okay. Because the only So you're watching all this shit pan out and it's like, it's that mental gate that you got to break through. But as soon as you do, oh, shit. Dude, the only time I've ever been able to identify that I'm in a dream has been when I've had, like, those out-of-body experience type deals. Kind of like the, the way you were mentioning, like, there's times where, um, where, like, I try to scream or I try to talk and I'm like, and I can't fucking move, you know? But I can, I'm aware of everything that's going around in my surroundings. Like, in other words, um... In real time, I'll know what's going on, like what's on the TV. Um, I can see within the house, but I'm asleep and I'm like in a nightmare where I can't move. And that's what I'm like. I tell myself, okay, I know I'm dreaming. How do I get out of this shit? You know what I mean? And then what I end up doing, what I've done in order, because I don't like that feeling of being trapped, you know, and it just feels like almost a different uh, fucking frequency if you will, um, uh, of, or realm that I'm in. So what I end up doing, like, I got to wake up out of this. I bite my lip or I bite my tongue to bring me pain to wake me up. You know what I mean? That's right. the way I do it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only time I, I guess you have to have a, a way to identify that you're dreaming. Well, and that's the thing, those times where you're biting your lip or you're biting your tongue to wake yourself up. If you chose to take that same energy that you're putting into waking yourself up and putting it into diving deeper. Okay. And that's what this character starts to try and do. Instead of thrashing himself awake in that panic, he pushes further in. Right. You know, to try and break through, you know, 
assault through the element. You know, how many times were we told that? <laughs> and, you know, so it's like, okay, we get, you finally break through that mental gate. And it's like, all right, now you're in the driver's seat. Okay. But those times were like, I'm sure you've been driving to work in the morning. And it's like, okay, driving to work, driving to work, ain't shit going on. How the fuck am I already this far? Where your oh. mind, where your mind just went on autopilot. You're like, I did not safely drive this distance and not remember the past five minutes. Bro, that happened to me when I was coming one time driving from Colorado Springs over here to San Antonio. Um, when I was stationed at Carson, we were driving down this way. Um, and I remember we we're taking the back roads on, I forget what highway it was. Maybe the 281, maybe. Anyways, um, I'm coming down the back roads, bro. And I remember seeing um this one town called Goldwaith, something like that. Goldwaith, like 10 miles, for example. And I'm driving. And then at the blink of an eye, I see the town. I'm like, where the fuck did the time just go from there to here? You know what I mean? And it's right. like, holy shit, and I'm going to be on one of those coast-to-coast -coast programs. Shit. Right. Lost time is a phenomenon that people swear up and down all the time. You know, I was, I lost like eight minutes of my life. I don't know where it went. I'm perfectly fine. I'm not in danger, but something happened where I was not in control during those eight minutes. Mm -hmm. And the book proposes the idea of what if that's someone else taking control of your mind? Oh fuck! Oh dream. shit, bro! Oh, so that—that's probably who the okay. I, I, I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop, dude. I'll tell you what. One of the relationships that I enjoy him is uh him with the old man. Um, you yes. know that they give shit to each other. I fucking love that man because um, you know, one thing I, um that veterans realize, and I, I only and I think it's only in the veteran community is that no matter what war, what era, you know, or what age group you're in, you have that one common thing that is that you're both served this country and you both went through some hardships in hell that you can relate with. And so the way him and that old man talk shit to each other, is just like, it reminds me of when I go to the VA, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's exactly like that, dude. I fucking love that relationship. How did that come about? Believe it or not, my old neighbor, Murray Davis, or I'm sorry, he wasn't Murray Davis. The character was named Murray Davis in the <laughs> book, but this was uh, Rick. And Rick, um, Rick was that old man that okay. had to set me straight. When I moved out to uh, South Carolina to live by my folks, I'm fucking around with shit in the garage. And he walks across the street. I'm working a stamping line at the time, making car parts. Okay. And he's like, Hey, you know, I see you're pretty handy with some tools. Uh, would you be interested in making some money on the weekend? I need some help hanging some drywall. Hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, right here at your place. He's like, no, I flip houses in my retirement. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't mind. He's like, are you working full time right now? And I'm like, yeah. Um, you know, I'm working over at this factory. He's like, all right, how much are they paying? said uh 14 an hour not much and he's like okay um how much would it take for you to come work for me I'm like 
under the table? He's like, yeah. I told him 10. I'd be walking away with about the same amount of money, but mm-hmm. I'd probably enjoy that more. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be working days and I can have my nights and weekends back because I was working 13 on, one off. Oh, shit. And Oh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just Monday through Friday, you know, 7 in the morning until like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I'm game. 10 bucks an hour under the table. I'll take it. Yeah. He's like, you're a vet, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. He's like, I'll give you 15. 15 an hour under the table. Okay. Yeah. yeah I'm there with a smile on my face. <laughs> I'll bring the coffee for us. <laughs> right. You know, shit. Okay. Let's do it. And, um, he was a Vietnam vet. Okay. Good guy. Good guy. And taught me a bunch. Helped me realize a few of the things that I needed to realize in my life. And, uh, yeah. So couldn't leave that guy out of the book. Yeah. He it's was, always was, great, dude. He was one of the pivotal type people in my life. And so, yeah, he's definitely in there. Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, I just love that relationship they have with each other. And then like the relationship that he has with the siblings, dig that yep. shit. And then how they shit talk the the ex-brother-in-law or the brother-in-law. I still can't, yeah. I don't know if it's the ex-brother-in-law or if he is the brother-in-law. He is the brother-in-law. Okay. That guy, he just sounds like such a fucking douche. And it's yeah. like, I want to punch him through the fucking, through the book, dude. Like, ah, damn. And I could just see everybody just clowning that piece of shit from the back. Cause I mean, we all know somebody like that character. I'm, sh- Dude, I'm telling y'all. It doesn't matter what you do, they always look down on you yep. because you ain't doing exactly what they're doing. And dude, I, everybody, I'm telling y'all, if you're listening to this, you need to go find, go on Amazon, look fucking lucid, the first step. With uh by Stephen Vanet. I'm telling y'all, you won't fucking regret it. You'll fucking love it. And um, you're help, you know, you're you're supporting a veteran. And I mean, it's just a book that I I I wanted to keep reading it through the night, but I had to go to work the next day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the thing is, I want to make sure I don't want to just read through it to read it. You know what I mean? Because it's not one of those books where I just want to read through and just be like, oh, okay, cool. I want to I I understand it. I'm drawn to it and I can visualize. Like all these characters, I've already put faces to them. Like, you know what I mean? And dude, I'm telling you, it's just I fucking dig it, bro. And I can't wait to see the motherfucking M Night Shyamalan shit that you got going on in this, man. <laughs> you're gonna have fun with it. I, I hope anyway. That oh, you're gonna no. have fun with it. I've already had um, fun with it. Go ahead, man. Please, more, more, more. Well, I was gonna say, you know, um, I'll make it quick. I'll, I'll mm. make it quick. I'm sure your time. No, 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 dude. You're good. All right, cool. Um, no, I was gonna say it's uh, there's a part in the book where it's like, okay, I, I let one of my uh, coworkers be one of the beta readers for it. Okay. And she's reading it, and she stops. She sets down the book because I made mention in the book if these dreams seem too similar to yours is it because you saw the same place you know that was in the little prologue that i wrote Mm -hmm. are you guys seeing the same worlds and that just gives that much more credence to the book but as i'm writing it i'm trying to make sure that i put in every detail that i can recall from my own dreams to give everybody else that sense of okay 
this is too much like mine. Because mm-hmm. if I gave just a bare description of it, like, all right, he's dreaming. Right. You know, it's like, okay. You know, that's one of those questions, you know, like, all right, do I see the color red the same way you see the color red? You got to describe that shit and make sure that, all right, both the minds are aligned. But she got freaked out in the book, mm-hmm. you know, the first time that the character is dreaming because she's like, no, that, that feels too much like one of my own. Right. She's like, I see it in the exact same way. Like, right. So how can your mind manifest the exact same thing that my mind can manifest Ooh. if we're not seeing the actual same thing? Like if we're all in the same mind of one person, bro. Oh, well, not in the mind of one person. What if it's another version of ourselves? Bro. So you take control of the mind of Danny Lopez and another universe, bro. That's what I've always said dreams are. But um, dude, I mean, I can't. You have no idea, bro. I mean, it goes into so much. Like, dude, you know, like um, Urena. You remember Urena? Oh. Jesse, yeah. Yeah, so he's my co-host on here when I do um, some other podcasts. So, yeah. I mean, we we talk, he likes to talk about, like, simulation theory and shit like that. So. It's in there. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, oh, my God, bro. I, I don't want to give too much away about the book, but, uh, dude, give your plug for it. Like, I mean, what? Well, Go ahead, bro. Because we got five minutes well, left in... Um, what would be your plug for it? Like sell it to sell it to these motherfuckers, man. It, if you were tired of the same storyline, if you were to the point where, you know, you're watching a TV show and you already know what the ending is going to be before it happens, because it's the same tired storyline. Mm-hmm. Give it a look. You know, if you don't like seeing the main character coming out on top in every damn situation. It doesn't always work right mm-hmm. in real life. That's a fucking fact. I'm a realist about it. Give it a look. And if you don't mind a couple of misspellings because the editor that I had wasn't the greatest and it was written by a 13 Bravo. <laughs> give it a look. But I wanted the book to be action, fun, good humor, but also that sense of diehard, okay, that character, he is going to get his ass kicked in the worst ways. If anything, this book is what is what I'll I'll say it's fucking um authentic. Like fucking authentic, bro. Um you could tell it was written by a 13 Bravo. Um, yeah. <laughs> even though he has a high ass GT score and probably a high in a high ass ASVAB score. You could tell it was 13 Bravo. But I mean, you did all the shit on your own on this book, right? Yeah, I did not just the writing, but majority of the editing. Um I did send it off to an editor. They still had a crap ton of shit that I had to fix. I did. Yeah. But, I mean, hell, it's hard to see the needle in the stack of needles, you know. Mm-hmm. So I still give her credit. Um, you know, 
between that and the publishing, published it myself. As I mean, too many publishing houses are scams nowadays, and there's others that you know you send it in, they won't give you an answer for three to six months. And you know, like I mean, if you look at that Harry Potter book, they sent it to twenty some publishing houses before the first publishing house would actually say, yeah, we'll publish your book. God damn. And when they published her book, they only printed 500 copies of it. Oh, fuck. So it's like, okay. And then it became the, one of the world's best sellers right behind the Bible. Right. Right. And it's like, okay. How many good things are going to be missed out there because publishing houses ain't going to be willing to give it the time of day. So I didn't even bother trying to go through them. I said, screw that shit. I'll figure it out myself. Yep. If there's a way, I'll find it. Is there a website so, or anything that they can go to to get the book? Honestly, they can go to Amazon. They can go to Barnes and Noble if you prefer Barnes and Noble. So if you got, you know, a Kindle or, you know, whatever, you know, digital devices it's digital it's paperback you know people ask me if i'm going to do an audiobook audiobooks ain't you don't want to listen to me speak for the next three and a half hours man <laughs> <laughs> so, i could try and sit there record it myself and everybody's gonna go yo he reads slow <laughs> <laughs> oh shit guy, dude. yeah it does make sense that he's got a freaking tumor in his head man this he motherfucker <laughs> brother but you know so i'll be looking into an audiobook if i can get it to take off a little bit and um seeing what i can do with it so really as of right now mm -hmm. we've i've sold 51 copies i knew of about 20 to 25 people that were actually going to want to buy it mm -hmm. you know just because family good friends that right and i'm at 51 right now and I tell you what, after the book being out for three weeks, never had publishing anything before. Mm -hmm. Just trying to get the word out there on like Facebook, that kind of thing. Right. Man, it made a difference. So I've already started work on book two. Hell yes. So wait, how long has this book been out? Three weeks. This has only been out three weeks, bro. Yes. Awesome. Hey. I only got one minute left, so it's going to cut out more than likely on between us. I appreciate you, Vinay. Y'all motherfuckers on the gun line, go get lucid the first step. Stephen Vinay, highly, highly recommend it. Support a brother. Enjoy the book. And let's get fucking our, let's get six cents on this motherfucker. All right. With that being yeah, said. Yeah, it's going to have that kind of feel. <laughs> I appreciate it, Vinay. It's been a pleasure having you on here today, bro. Great Likewise, catching up with you. Time. You're more than welcome to come on the gun line anytime you want to ch just chop it up, shoot the shit, bro. Sounds great to me. I appreciate you as always. I'll catch you on the gun line, y'all. Rounds complete. End of mission. Gun line out. Bye, motherfuckers. Arch order.